Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well. Well, I'm glad I'm here because I thought I thought I was being shot at on my run this morning. Seriously. So I'm running along. There's nobody there. Lovely fields. Wonderful. Um, and I'm running and there's like this quite short wall next to the pavement. And then I hear this shot ring out. There's nobody else but me. Someone is aiming at me. So I'm crouching down behind this wall using all the best scenes I can remember from cop films. Shuffling along, looking over, shuffling along, looking over. Then I ran so fast. Well, for me, it's fast, probably slower than I don't know the slowest snail in the world but anyway for me it was fast lightning speed um came home told everyone oh my goodness I've just been shot at you won't believe that you won't believe it oh no no it turns out it's something called a bird scarer a bird scarer that actually sounds like you're being shot at no wonder it scares birds it scared me anyway so yes it's not even a gun it's nothing um it's just the equivalent the modern equivalent of a scarecrow. So there you go. That That's where I'm at today. But I have some very exciting books to talk to you about. I have a, an amazing, amazing author interview. But I have to start this episode. You'll be very excited. As I have been requested by a box opening. Are you ready for this? So apologies if I'm repeating old stuff, but you can get something called a book subscription box. You can choose how many months you want to have it for. You can usually cancel at any time. Um, and while most of them are more your sort of fantasy type genre, there is something that I've just discovered called Books That Matter that's more um, about feminist books, different types of uh, really interesting things to read. And usually you get a book and a few other little things. And I have had quite a few requests uh, for me to do some more of those. So we have got a couple of the more fantasy uh, book subscription boxes coming. But today, this box has arrived and I can't wait. It's like, it is like Christmas for me um, to see what's in it. So this there's this lovely box. It's sort of green, pink, purple books that matter. Um, I would certainly say it's one of the cheaper boxes as well that you can get, which is which is another bonus. So I'm opening it up. Oh, 
Now I'm going to describe it. So you've got this lovely pink tissue paper, a lovely sticker, Books That Matter, and I'm going to open it now. Can you hear me? Can you hear me read? Oh, now wonderful. This book is being talked about so much and for some reason, I haven't got it. So spoilers, if you have ordered your Books That Matter box and it's sitting there and you haven't opened it yet, do not listen to me waffling on about this. Go and open it first so you've got the lovely surprise and then come here. So the book is Three Women uh, by Lisa Taddo. And funnily enough, it is about three women. It's about Lena, Maggie, Sloane. Um, it's a, a story of unmet needs, unspoken thoughts, disappointments, hopes, unrelating, un unrelenting obsessions. Um, and it just sounds very different, uh, quite hard hitting. Um, not one for the children, but something that everybody is talking about and I feel I need to need to be reading it and also um, the edge of it is yellow so I can fit it very nicely into my rainbow organized bookshelves so you get that book obviously every month it's a it's a different book then I've got something here what's this oh it's one of these poppet things are they called poppets um they're things that you put on the back of your phone and then it helps you to hold it in place um, that's great because I don't have one of those. Now there's a little box here with the words pamper kit written on. Shall I open it? Go on then. Um, all round better skin care. Oh, lovely. Up circle. Oh, now who are up circle? Up circle, we elevate leftover natural ingredients, bringing them back to life as beauty products your skin will love. Oh, I think that sounds nice. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's the nice things and not like all the slime and throwaway stuff from the bed. No. Uh, oh, I see. Right. So first of all, I've got face moisturiser with the fine powder of discarded argan shells. Oh, that sounds better than the contents of my bin. Uh, cleansing face balm with the fine powder of discarded apricot stones. Hmm. Apricots make me throw up. I'm hoping that, uh, that that won't. Face serum with coffee oil from repurposed grounds. Now, you got me there. You got me on that, definitely. Oh, face mask with the fine powder of discarded olive stones. That's brilliant. love olives. Oh, and have you come across garlic stuffed olives? Oh, it's the taste of heaven. It really is. Uh, and a face scrub made with repurposed coffee grounds. Is that the same one as the other one? No, that's still all different ones. Those are lovely. Those are all individual little packets in a lovely box. Very, very nice. I'm liking that. I can't put it down anywhere. Um, oh, and there's a very helpful little picture of how to put the poppet, if that's what they're called on. My daughter will kill me for not knowing what they're called. But anyway, um, there's a really good, ah, right. There's really good um, flyer. Check your privilege uh, about a book. Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given. The game changing book that every woman needs. Well, you've got me on that one. That sounds very good. Um, you've got some lovely drawn pictures that are like, cards postcards things that you could put up a lovely bookmark as well oh my goodness and finally you get a little pamphlet don't often use the word pamphlet do you um but it goes with all that's contained in the box so sorry for the noise of me opening this all but it, it will make sense um 
So what's in the box? We've chosen the exquisite and candid three women as our July read. Immersing herself in the lives of three women, Lisa Tadeau has written a groundbreaking exploration of female desire, relationships, self-discovery and ambition based on nearly a decade of re recordings. Three Women introduces us to three unforgettable women and one remarkable writer whose experiences remind us that we are not alone. And then it tells you all about the gifts. It tells, it's got an interview with the author. Um, it sets out some books that she recommends as well. That's very good. It's like a mini magazine. It's much more than a pamphlet. Then it talks about um, Milk and Moon, oh, who has done the beautiful drawings, her book recommendations. Um, there's just so much there's just so much in this and of all the different things that you can get wonderful um or you can refer a friend 10 percent off for you and a friend when you refer them to books that matter if if you are interested in subscribing to this uh, drop me a line and uh, we can get you a discount on that now i may be horribly horribly wrong but i believe this box is 17 pounds a month i believe and that is substantially cheaper than some of the more fantasy ones where admittedly you get a lot more uh, extras thrown in as you'll hear about in uh, future episodes but i think this one is a nice one because it's um it's a, you know a book of our times if you're not into fantasy then this might be something more for you uh, sometimes they're fiction books sometimes they're non-fiction and some really uh, great thought-provoking content so that was very exciting and that's my Christmas over I feel a bit sad now never mind so on this episode we're going to be talking about The Dispatcher by John Scalzi that I listened to on audiobook A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee Pumpkin Head by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Erin Hicks. That's a graphic novel. And A Song of Isolation by Michael J. Malone. And we're going to be talking to Michael a bit later on. Very exciting. So let's get started. Now, I admit I was looking on Audible for an audiobook that was short because I'd just been having, oh, I don't know, just a few challenges this week. Um, and certainly every time I read a graphic novel, you will know, ah, oh, Philippa's not having the best of weeks so whenever I say oh and here's a graphic novel I've read you can say to yourself ah there we go she needs to eat some chocolate so the same was happening with audiobooks I needed something short I came up with this one that had a, a good bit of blurb and was two hours 18 minutes long so I thought yes thank you very much that'll be me so The Dispatcher by John Scalzi uh, it's spelt S-C-A-L-Z-I uh, and it's performed by Zachary Quint. So the blurb is, is this. One day, not long from now, it becomes almost impossible to murder anyone. 99 times out of a 1,000, anyone who is intentionally killed comes back. How? We don't know. But it changes everything. War, crime, daily life. Tony Valdez is a dispatcher, a licensed bonded professional whose job is to humanely dispatch those whose circumstances put them in death's crosshairs so they can have a second chance to avoid the reaper. But when a fellow dispatcher and former friend is apparently kidnapped, Tony learns that there are some things that are worse than death and that some people are ready to do almost anything to avenge a supposed wrong. It's a race against time for Valdez to find his friend before it's too late, before not even a dispatcher can save him. So I thought that sounded really interesting. And when it started, I was fully into it. It was a great sort of opening scene that you uh, 
hooked you straight away and made you want to listen to more. But I, while I really enjoyed the premise of the book and um, the narration is very good, or the performer, sorry, get it right, I have to say that I think it needed, I can't believe I'm saying this, I think it needed more time because there was a massive plot that they were trying to shoehorn into a very short book. Whereas normally my complaint with short books is that there wasn't enough. So I'm never pleased, am I? Never pleased at all. But there we go. Um, so I did enjoy it. If you want something that is just short, where you're going to get a story, then then this is it. And again, it might re have reflected how I was feeling at the time that I wasn't that into it. I'd give it, it it's a good story. I'd give it a seven and a half out of ten. Um but I certainly didn't finish it and immediately look to um, listen to or read another of his books. So The Dispatcher by John Scalzi, short, fine, um, but didn't change my life. So there we go. But this next book did change my life. Well, that's a bit flippant, but it, it's great. And it's the first of a series. So it changed my life in that respect that there's more books for me to get and read. Way. Um now, I was watching, I don't know if you were seeing it, the Locked Up Festival, which was uh, an online uh, crime writing festival done, uh, organised by two crime writers and a microphone, who are, of course, Steve Kavanagh and uh, Luca Vesti. Um, it was a great uh, online festival. It's such a shame we can't see everybody in person but it was great and it was different so people talking about worst book reviews they've had worst book festivals or book events they've appeared at all sorts of things it certainly made me laugh um, and one of the authors that I hadn't come across before although I've had his books recommended to me recently um, was the great Abir Mukherjee and I thought well this man obviously sounds like he knows what he's talking about because all the authors rate him. He's also very funny. I'm going to read his books, but I'm not going to read the current one. I'm going to go back and read the first in the series. And I'm so glad I did. His book is called A Rising Man. Um, I'll read you the blurb because it says it much better than I could and much more succinctly. That's a good word for the day. Uh, India, 1919. Desperate for a fresh start, Captain Sam Wyndham arrives to take up an important post in Calcutta's police force. He is soon called to the scene of a horrifying murder. The victim was a senior official and a note in his mouth warns the British to leave India or else. With the stability of the empire under threat, Wyndham and Sergeant Surrendernot Banerjee must solve the case quickly, but there are some who will do anything to stop them. I really enjoyed this book. Um, it had lots of different good elements, different ingredients to put into the pot. So you've got the crime, you've got good characters, you've got the fact that it's based in India and you've got the historical element um, based in 1919 and of all the issues that were happening there at the time. So there's a lot and it's a book that I could recommend to all age groups. And Well, obviously not the children, um, but I know my mother would enjoy it, my father would enjoy it. Um, friends would enjoy it. It's just something that it's a bit like Ankle's writing, where it sort of suits a lot of different groups. Whereas some crime books are fairly focused on um, a, a certain type of reader. So I think because it's got the historical elements and the strong characters and the crime. I'm not saying other books don't have strong characters. Oh, I'm getting myself in the right hole here. But anyway, it's a good book. Let's just say that it's a good book. 
it had some twists and turns at times it's more gentle at other times it's much stronger I would certainly get the next book to read um, it's got endorsements on the book cover by uh, Ian Rankin who says a thought-provoking roller coaster and also C.J. Sansom, an exceptional historical crime novel. Now, if C.J. Sansom says it's an exceptional historical crime novel, I'm in because he writes the most brilliant historical books um, and apparently writes plots of about 30,000 words. Incredible preparation that he puts, his, puts into his books. So if he thinks this is a good one, then it's worth a read and and I certainly agree with that I found it really interesting I was taken along I didn't have to work hard to get into the story at the beginning and I just enjoyed the journey the the whodunits the who to trust um and as I say yes next one please thank you very much so that was really good and a lovely orange color I do like some of the colors we're getting on books at the moment it's as if publishers know I like my rainbow shells and they are helping me with that but anyway so that's a rising man by Abir Mukherjee very very good so now we're going to come on to pumpkin heads which yes is a graphic novel and yes we can all say it together Philippa was having a bad week um, I wanted something where I could read it where I could feel a sense of achievement that I had finished a book in sort of one go uh, that wasn't going to uh, cause me any focus problems it was just a nice read um, I've had this sitting on my bookshelves for a while and it, and it is a, an easy read um, let's, let, let me read you the blurb for, for this so uh, Deja and Josiah are seasonal best friends every autumn all through high school they've worked together at the best pumpkin patch in the whole wide world they say goodbye every Halloween and they're reunited every September 1st but this Halloween is different. Josiah and Deja are finally seniors and this is their last season at the pumpkin patch, their last shift together, their last goodbye. Josiah's ready to spend the whole night feeling melancholy about it. Deja isn't ready to let him. She's got a plan. What if instead of moping, they went out with a bang? What if their last shift was an adventure? It's just it's just a joyful book. I loved the drawings. I loved all this um, fascination with pumpkin patches. I mean, crikey, where I come from, you, you, yeah, you don't have these sort of huge. It's like well, if you live in England, it's like Alton Towers. If you live in the States, it's like a Disneyland version of pumpkin patch. I had no idea that they could be so extensive and, and detailed. But it's just a story about two people who are leaving um, a job that they've enjoyed doing over the years and it's about friendship um, feelings and about fun as well it's something um, a child could read if they wanted to I don't know how many younger ones would enjoy it yeah of, it's not it's not for tiny ones but I think if you've got like a teen who just wants a break from reading um, maybe books for school something like this it's just it's just nice you can sit make yourself a hot chocolate grab yourself a chocolate biscuit of course and just sit and read and enjoy it's not going to change the world but it might make you feel a bit happier and frankly right now I think there's a lot to be said for that so that was Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell uh, and of course Faith Erin Hicks so there we go now we're going to come on to this book, A Song of Isolation by Michael J. Malone. This book arrived 
on a Saturday morning and I looked at it and thought, mm, I want to read you. So I picked it up on Sunday and I read it on Sunday. It, I don't know how I managed to fit it in because it's not um, it's not a quick, you know, zip through it read. It's not a graphic novel, but it, it was just compelling and it just took me in and it was what I needed to really just get involved in something quite meaty and, and substantial for, for, for a few hours. So I'll read you the blurb. Now, this book, I should say, doesn't come out um, in paperback until September. So you've got some time to pre-order it, but uh, it's a it's a great read. So it's well worth getting that pre-order in, I would say. So film star Emily Hart is the darling of the silver screen, appearing on the front pages of every newspaper. But at the peak of her fame, she throws it all away for a regular guy with an ordinary job. The gossip columns are aghast. What happened to the woman who turned heads wherever she went? Any hope the Fuhrer will die down are crushed when Amelie's boyfriend Dave is arrested on charges of child sexual abuse. Dave strongly asserts his innocence and when Amelie refuses to denounce him, the press witch hunt quickly turns into physical violence and she has to flee the country. While Dave is locked up with the most depraved men in the country and Amelie is hiding on the continent, Damaris, the victim at the centre of the story, is also isolated, a child trying to make sense of an adult world. Breathtakingly brutal, dark and immensely moving, a song of isolation looks beneath the magpie glimmer of celebrity to uncover a sinister world dominated by greed and lies and the unfathomable destruction of innocent lives in an instant. Well, there you go. I think that says it all. So let's be honest. In some ways you could say, well, that sounds like a lot of other books that are around. What's different about it? It is. For me, it is. And to have been able to take my attention um, at a time that most things didn't get my attention, it it has to stand up. I just thought it was in a league, in a league of its own. It's, it's a 10 out of 10 for me again. Getting a few of those books at the moment, which is wonderful. It's one of those that you just love reading and you love getting to the end to find out what happens. And then the minute you finished it, you feel sad because you finished it. It's just compelling. It's a good read. I think if you're looking for a standalone psychological thriller, this has got to be at least a consideration because it's just so well constructed the characters and the scenes I just wanted to keep reading I wanted to know what was going to uh what was going to happen at the end it's one of those who do you trust who do you believe what's going to happen well I think I certainly trust uh Michael J Malone the author to write a good book it's um it's a great one and uh here is my conversation with Michael Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I oh, mean, pleasure. you are a long established author, excellent, excellent uh, number of books that you have written and published. Have you, have you always been a writer? Um, <clears throat> pretty much, yeah. I've, uh, I started probably when I was a wee boy, because I remember writing my version of Tarka the Otter. Right, yes, um, of course. And I must have been, <laughs> gosh, seven or eight. And um, and I think I've always, since of reading was always an escape for me as a kid. So ever since then, about, I remember thinking once, I've no idea what age it was, but holding a book in my hand and thinking, I want to produce one of these one day mm. when, I'm, when I'm growing up. 
So there was a couple of attempts when I was a kid, and then I was always writing essays for English. English was always my favourite subject, and um, I used to have a twin sister, and I used to write her her uh, essays as well. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! <laughs> and then she would. Uh, for for exams, she would have to memorise what I'd written. <laughs> she, she's not an English professor now, is she? No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, it, to be a help. it wasn't her favourite subject. So, uh, but then life got in the way, and it was only um, about 96 when I, I sort of jumped back in. And so, 96, I started my first novel. And that actual novel, was published in last year, 2019. Gosh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and my first novel published was um, my the third novel that I wrote, which um, which I wrote in 2003, and that was published in 2012. So, from 96 <laughs> to 2012, that was my... Um, lead in <laughs> to becoming published as a, a novelist so it's it's a long time and there were a, a lot of duvet days in that there was uh, several agents there were several close calls um and there was a lot of learning uh it was an incredibly frustrating time in there as well some some highs um uh, as, as i came closer um, and some of my friends can I say that I'm the the poster boy for persistence. Yeah, gosh, well, I, yes. I, I just kept going, and I I was just I was um, just absolutely adamant that I would be published. Yeah. So I just um, trying to learn any lessons that I could, um, read as much as I could, uh, and just continue to grow as a writer. And um, had faith that eventually it would happen. And I mean, that's what, 16 years? That's a long time. My goodness, yes. You get a medal for that, let alone yeah, writing a yeah. great book. And let's talk about the great book. Cause, because, I mean, A Song of Isolation. It, did you always know that it was this brilliantly compelling story? Did you always have it? Or was it something that evolved over time? There, there was the central part of that. Um, that I it was it was actually <clears throat> I became aware of through a friend of a friend of someone in that situation that the that Am Amelie was in, where oh. there was um, her her boyfriend was had this accusation levied against him, mm -hmm. and um, how it impacted on their relationship. So it, it was tucked away in the back of my mind, yeah, for gosh about ten years maybe. And I thought, I kept kind of bringing it out and brushing it down a little. <laughs> and, uh, and eventually last year, I thought, right, I need to write that book. And, um, and I'd lost touch of the friend who knew this other person who'd gone through this. So I, I haven't had, I haven't got their permission to see, talk about it. Yes. In any more than sort of loose and vague terms. Um, so I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> However, <clears throat> that that was as a central jumping off point, if you want, for the story. It's, it's, it's kind of always held my interest. And I've read other 
experiences of people caught up in this same situation. So <clears throat> it was then a matter of developing the idea. And to answer your question, this is a long answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great answer, carry on. <laughs> um, you, you, you never know how that's going to impact on the reader's imagination. So it's, you're, too, you're too close to it. So you have to just go through the, the sort of story and hope that the, the techniques of storytelling that you bring to it make it engaging and thrilling and, and all these other things. Did you always know that, that this was a good one, that as you were writing it and as you mm. were layering it? No, I, I, I find it difficult to... When you're in the moment, when you're in that experience of writing the book, it's difficult to have that in your mind as well. Because, well, for a variety of reasons, as a writer, it's, you're, you're just too close to it. And um, you can't see, because you can't see how good it is. The thing is, as well, when you, <laughs> you often, you go from thinking you're the worst writer on the planet. Why are you wasting your time? to thinking, actually, you know what, this is good. And you go through that on a daily basis, on fact, sometimes on an, on an hourly basis. Wow, yes. So, <laughs> um, and I think you, you just can't afford to take yourself seriously. Um, take the craft seriously. Take the work yes. seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. So to keep that kind of distance is, is difficult, but it's something, because I think if you become overly confident then you're not going to your work's going to be poor and do the stories come to you over time when you're out on a walk or do you sit down at your desk and write let's focus on future stories is that when they come to you no the the ideas come to me um like when, when i'm out for a walk or <laughs> yeah when you're doing other things that's when inspiration hits doesn't it it's when you're yeah. It's that whole um, eureka sort of moment, if you like. So you could be doing anything that's mundane and ritualistic, um, habitual, when your mind's free to wander off. Mm. That's when ideas come to me. And not, so there's been several moments when I think that I can remember when an idea hits me. So the book After He Died, that was yeah. when I was... That was when I was out for a walk with a dog. That idea came to me. Um, House of Spines was an, an idea I found in a notebook, which I had no recollection of writing. And the, only re the only way that I knew that it was me was because it was my handwriting. Otherwise, I would have thought somebody had snuck in and written something down for me. I just wow. had no recollection. Um, a suitable lie came from listening to a radio show. Um, and as I say, this one came from uh, observing a real life uh, situation. Yes. And, and you're very strong on your characters. I mean, for me, the, 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 the two main characters have really stayed with me since uh -huh. finishing the book. Do they stay with you even when you've <clears throat> typed the end? Yeah, they do a little, yeah, because I, I can just kind of slip back into that headspace um, and uh, adapt, adopt them, so to speak, mentally. Um, it's kind of like, I guess I 
my process is a more akin to like method acting. So it's um, to reach that level of empathy, you have to kind of put on their shoes, so to speak, to borrow mm. that old kind of cliche. Um, and that's the kind of process that I find myself adopting. Yes. And um, you've got an epilogue. I'm not going to mention anything about yeah, it, yeah. obviously. But it, do you sometimes put an epilogue in as a way of stopping yourself from considering a second book or, a th you know, taking a story in a different way? Um, no, I, I just felt for that. I've not always done an epilogue, actually, but for this one, I felt it was necessary. I felt there needed to be some... If, and again, I hate the word closure, bit of a cliche, but there needed to be some sort of closure for the characters and for the readers. Yes. Um, and for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm always, when something is, a, is as emotionally raw as an experience for the characters, I, I like to, without giving too much away, end on a redemptive note yes yeah so we don't want to give anything away but yes uh, so there's a there's a suggestion well you know what everything's going to be all right despite yes. i but just a hint of that rather than yes. full-blown kisses and love yes and... did you always know how it was going to end or no. did you the story end itself for you <clears throat> the i really know exactly how the story's going to end I think it helps when you write crime fiction, um, there, there is an expectation of uh, how the, the, the process is going to go. So you have to meet that process for the reader. There has to be a sort of, things have to come to a conclusion, um, which in other um, genres doesn't necessarily have to happen. Yeah. So for example, literary fiction doesn't have to have that sort of, arc if you like mm. but it probably should but it doesn't have yeah. <laughs> no comment <laughs> I, yeah. so i think going through that structure helps but i don't necessarily know how it's going to end i just know that i need it to find um some moment of a uh, closure again sorry i'm using that word again no no that's fine so uh, there's this old you know plotters versus pantsers where do you sit in, in well i'm i'm a, a pantser and i can't imagine writing on, on the other basis sort of plotting it out very carefully because i just want to write the book i want to because yeah. I, I don't, I don't yeah. know the characters that well until i'm in and i'm in their headspace and i'm writing the story and, and i and i learn about them through their reactions and their actions and mm. it's difficult to do that when when you're for me anyway when you when you're plotting i think if you're writing a series and you know the characters yeah then, then plot plotting in that sense perhaps becomes easier but because i'm writing standalones at the moment um I think I need that discovery process through the action and reactions of the characters. Yeah. Putting them in the situation and the story unfolds through them rather than me distantly <clears throat> try to work out a plot. Yes. Well, it, I mean, crikey, the book certainly gripped me. What, what books are gripping you? Are there any 
particular? I'm actually, the book that I'm reading on my Kindle at the moment is um, Douglas Skelton, um, his next book, which comes out next March. So, yes. so he's, he's, um, uh, I, I read the previous one, I can't remember, that's terrible, sorry Douglas. Um, <laughs> I read the previous one in April, um, which was excellent, absolutely excellent. He's such a good writer. Um, and so, as I say, I've been, I'm reading his next one. Oh, very uh, good. Manuscript basis. So yes. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, lo I love the way Douglas brings in like past historical crimes in Scotland. It's very, it's very um, atmospheric about Scotland and it's the, the past, but he's using that as a jumping off point for a modern story. I like the way he does that. It's very clever. His name has come up quite a lot recently with mm -hmm. um, a, f a few people actually. So I need to, yes, I need to rectify my gap in the Douglas Skelton Aye, book such library. Yeah, you go check him out, he's excellent. Well, Michael, thank you very much for joining me. I really oh, appreciate it. You don't give up on your own writing. <laughs> well, we'll Have see. Get, perhaps get back to it. No, thank you ever so much. That's oh, you're so there we go. What a week. So much covered. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it, especially the uh, box uncovering. Oh, my goodness. So the subscription box is called Books That Matter. Um, what else have I done? I've also reviewed The Dispatcher by John Scalzi, um, A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee, Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Erin Hicks and A Song of Isolation by Michael J. Malone. Some fantastic books, quite a, a range of different ones for you, for you to choose from. Hopefully something in there stands out. But don't worry, I've got some more brilliant books to talk to you about next week. You can rely on me. <laughs> There's lots. Um, so I hope all's well with you. Get in touch in all the usual ways. The lovely Facebook group. Go on to Facebook, type in Quick Book Reviews. Uh, podcast and it should come up the lovely orange image of me reading a book and you can contact me um, on Instagram on Twitter you can email me at quickbookreviews at outlook.com I love hearing from you I've got more to talk to you about next week so take care and I'll speak to you very soon take care now bye bye you've been listening to the quick book reviews podcast that's enough books said no one ever See you again soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.